Welcome to the latest Arabian Business Podcast. My name is Eddie Taylor, and today is an interesting one as we're going to be discussing a really important piece of research from Facebook, IQ, and Ipsos, entitled Emerging Trends for Forces Shaping the Future Today. The research sought to explore people's expectations around convenience, participation, community, and entrepreneurship. Saudi Arabia was one of the territories on which it focused. The findings offer a really important glimpse into the Saudi consumer when it comes to e-commerce, payment solutions, retail experiences, and their attitudes towards new technologies. To help us make sense of these findings, I'm delighted to be joined by Rana Bordi, Head of Marketing for the MENA region at Facebook, and Joachim Marciano, the Head of Service Industries in MENA for the same company. And firstly, Rana, what was the objective of the survey and what were you hoping to learn? As a marketeer, we're always asked, can you look into a crystal ball and tell me what is the consumer behavior look like? What are the emerging trends? Because we really want to connect with our audience and better understand where their headspace is at. So the objective of the survey, back to your point, I mean, KSA is going through huge transformation and we really wanted to tap into the consumer behavior. And what we have observed, a couple of things came up, which I have to admit, most of them were not surprising, but kind of confirming what we already know about the consumer trends in PSA. One of them is the entrepreneurship spirit. Two out of three people in Saudi are actually under the age of 35. Combine that with how they embrace digital and the tools that are available for them. They're taking risk and they're actually setting up their own business. So you see a huge surge of startups and not only startups, consumers in Saudi actually want to support local talent and local brands. So what we found out is that actually they're willing to even pay more in order to support the local talent and the local startup motion. Another key finding, which is as well aligned with the youth spirit, is the embracing of technology. KSA has one of the largest penetration rate when it comes to mobile. Uh, so therefore, they're very comfortable on playing around with gamification, augmented reality, the filters. And that's another trend that we've observed where they continuously are seeking new and innovative way to interact and leveraging what's new and exciting, such as augmented reality. Is that something that's kind of consistent with other territories in the region or is the Saudi kind of an outlier in any of those stats or is it roughly what you would see in somewhere like a UAE? Or a- yeah, good point. It is actually comparable. The whole region is the youth. So everyone really wants to interact and everyone has a mobile. So therefore, I would say it's comparable in a sense from a behavior perspective where they want to engage with new tools, but it's exponentially more in KSA from an adoption perspective. Uh, that's kind of the delineation between other markets. Okay, yeah, so let's dig into some of those results then. Uh, what were the, some of the overarching findings that you find either that were either surprising or maybe confirmed things that you already knew? Um, looking at sort of digital trends and, and, and things like that. Yeah, another key finding is the online communities or the digital gatherings, right? And if we look at the last year and a half with the pandemic, at the end of the day, we are humans and we want to connect and share experiences, share key moments. So we've noticed a surge in online gatherings. And to put it in perspective, seven out of 10 people and consumers in Saudi actually said, I'm already part of online communities. And one would say, well, what are you doing in online? And what are the formats? It's coming through different formats. It can be a WhatsApp. It can be Facebook group, it can be a hashtag, and people are sharing not only experiences, but they want to learn more, learn more on what's happening in the market. And especially if you think with the COVID, everyone was really chatting to see if there is surge or whatnot. And especially the global implications of 
families unfortunately didn't get together. And if I were to ask you, for example, you know, how many WhatsApp groups you have? I know I have 10. Probably if I ask my teenage daughter, who will never tell me how many, <laughs> I think she has triple or quadruple. So therefore the online community and regardless of its format is definitely on the surge and KSA is definitely part of it. One of the big findings that stood out to me, uh, and I want to get your, your feedback on this first runner, and then I'm going to come to you, uh, Joachim, is um, the convenience gap, what you call the convenience gap. And that's that people are kind of seeking out these new digital tools to try and free up some more of their time and um, just get things faster and better. And that's how they're making their decisions when it comes to consumer choices. Um, one of the stats that leapt out was 88% of what you've called convenience seekers want to pay for products that, or services that save them time. Can you sort of explain a little bit about what those convenience seekers uh, are, are looking to achieve and, and what are the drivers behind them? I mean, it's already 10 o'clock, right? And if I were to ask you, what have you thought about since the morning? Having your coffee? I know I've been thinking, how can I go on vacation, right? Which country should I go to? Is it Spain? Is it Cyprus? And we're monitoring the news. And so you know what? On average we process 6,200 thoughts per day. Wow, I mean, that's massive. So no surprising, people are looking to uh, free up their mind and save time because we're bombarded by information and there are so many thoughts coming across. So what convenience seekers are asking brands is really to create seamless experiences, frictionless experiences, where the path to purchase is much shorter, the service delivery is uh, more efficient, in order to, for them to pursue what they're really passionate about. And key trends that showed up of where they want to spend more time on, not surprisingly, family, everyone wants to spend more time with family and friends. They want to learn a new skill, which is really aligned with the youthful spirit and the emerging trends that we're seeing in consumers in KSA. Taking care of themselves, health and exercise is top of mind as well. And last, which is not very surprising as well, travel. It seems everyone just wants to go somewhere and, and have these experience moments. Uh, Joachim, coming to you, armed with that knowledge about these convenience seekers, um, what does that mean from a brand or product perspective? So the survey showed that there were three kind of convenient services that stood out as being seeked by the Saudi Arabian consumers. First of all, 24-hour customer service. You know, I think that really reflects the way we consume today. You know, you start your journey taking a coffee at home and you have this kind of diluted traditional coffee and you're scrolling through Instagram and you want this new coffee machine and you get excited by it. So over the day, you're going to go and visit a shop and, and look at the different machine, maybe take a photo of the machines you're looking at, send it to your friends. Which one do you think will fit my kitchen better? And as you go home, you're going to probably want to go through with that purchase. And so the idea of shopping hours being restrained to uh, the normal opening hours of shops is is from the past right so we are seeing consumer expect businesses to be able to respond to questions and engage with them at the time that is convenient to them and so that really that really came out in the survey as you know as you mentioned as a time-saving reactivity element the second convenient service that really stood out was the idea of storing or storing account details. And, and you know, Rana mentioned this notion of frictionless experiences. 
when, once you kind of purchase from a business, once you expect the ability to be able to go through the whole purchasing experience without having to re-enter your contact details again, you want that journey to be as efficient, as frictionless as possible. And finally, express delivery to that, you know, and, and that is something we're getting more and more used to. We want to be able to buy our products online and get it in our hand as quickly as possible. And, and while this might not be always possible, what we encourage businesses to do is really to, to be as transparent uh, throughout the purchasing journey on what the delivery delays are, what are the return policies are, so that expectations are managed and, and people know what to expect. Now, beyond this um, you know, convenience through the purchase experience, what we're seeing also is people expecting the way they engage or communicate with the business to become more and more convenient. And actually, you know, people are getting tired of the traditional means of communicating with the business, the in-person, the SMS, the phone call are, are, are taking a lot of time. And out of the survey, we saw that, you know, seven out of 10 people, and I was surprised it wasn't 100% of people, said that waiting uh, on the phone or in a business to speak to someone was a waste of their time. And, and if you think about it, the only people in our life that we wait to speak to are our businesses, right? We never call a friend or, or a parent and have that voice telling us, oh, you're number five on the list and you'll be able to speak to us in five minutes. When, you know, when you can't reach a friend, you hang up and what you do is you send a message, right? You go on WhatsApp, you go on Messenger and send that message to your mom. Hey, mom, you know, call me back or are you up for dinner tonight? And, and that natural way of engaging with your friend is what we're seeing happening on the business front too. You know, people are turning to messaging, WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram Direct as a mean to engage with businesses. And that becomes a lot more natural, a lot more fluid in the experience you have as a consumer. And I, and I think that creates fantastic amount of opportunities for businesses to go from communicating to connecting with people because these interactions become so much more enriched and not less transactional than you will have with a business traditionally where you are only entering in contact because you need a service or you need to buy something. You actually have the opportunity to create a conversation that you know, will be a lot, more, a lot deeper than what you will do traditionally. I wonder whether that um, 28% of people that, that, that you sort of cited that don't actually mind waiting to speak to someone, I think that's potentially got two elements to it. And maybe we can look at that. Is, is one, maybe it's a slightly older demographic that doesn't trust the new tools and products that are available to communicate with somebody. But also, potentially, could that flag a downfall or a shortfall in the new tools that are available to communicate? Because, well, I've tried all that. I just need to speak to a human. I mean, are, are both of those things still barriers, if you like, for the kind of the fully digitization of customer service? That's a very good point. I think, you know, whatever the tool or the channel is, people are seeking human connections, right? And so as... A business, the more you're able to create that connection that people can relate to, the more efficient your channel is going to be. And so sometimes, and that actually happens a lot with airlines over the, the last year because of the crisis, people picked up their phone a lot more than they did before to book airplane tickets because they needed the reassurance to speak with an agent that will, you know, um, answer all their questions about changing flights and what will happen if there is a new lockdown and so on and so on. And, and I think that need to have this human interaction is what is probably leading that group to still uh, bidding, you know, going in that direction. But 
messaging actually offers also the opportunity for this human interaction. So I think as we see uh, messaging adoption grow, as we see businesses adopt these technologies, more and more people will feel confident that they are actually able to have that human interaction on messaging, and therefore they don't need to kind of wait on the phone 10 minutes to get uh, someone on the phone. I think we're never going to reach 100%, right? Uh, it's more the kind of trend that we're seeing society going to that's, that I think is, is, is interesting for business owners and leaders to embrace as they are thinking of their future on the way they're going to digitalize their business. Uh, Rana, coming to you, can, can you give us any examples, any concrete examples of how people have used that new technology as a way to kind of onboard new customers or connect with new customers? A good example, if we think about it, is KFC Middle East. So KFC Middle East, they really wanted to move uh, the orders from the call center, which we know now seven out of 10 really don't want to speak to someone. They'd rather actually have an automated experience. And they created, uh, they reimagined the customer experience and created a website. And by leveraging Facebook collection ads, it actually allowed customers to view various options and it drove traffic to their website. So this example with KFC is not only about improving the customer experience, but really the bottom line, because now it's, you're actually selling at scale and they managed to increase their order by 100,000 through the website. Another example, if I may, is, uh, and it's a simple example through the shopping experience, is the mobile payments, tap and go, right? And if you think about, especially with the new pandemic and the, the hygiene element, everyone is using e-wallets and this is here to stay. So the brands have an opportunity to reimagine how to interact with their customers. And a simple way of doing it is definitely the tap and go. And within the retail as well, the virtual um, fitting rooms where people want to interact. They want to see actually their products. It's the mirror interaction and it's an immersive experience as well. So what we're saying is it doesn't mean retail, the physical experience is going away. But how can brand reimagine of improving the experience and leveraging these small interactions that may seem small, such as tampon and fitting rooms, but actually it improves the convenience that customers are looking for in order to save time and create an immersive experience. I want to pick up on that a bit, if I can, with you, Joachim. Um, it's intriguing the, just the sheer level of comfort that Saudis seem to have with mobile payment methods and digital wallets and so on. It's 93% of respondents liked them. Uh, what does that mean in practice for, for digital brands, particularly in the retail space? When, when it comes to digital payment, speed and security are the two kind of main criteria for adoption. And and what this means is that when you don't have the right digital payment solutions available, uh, mobile payment solutions available, it becomes a barrier for adoption for merchants. And, and I think this ties back to this notion of frictionless experiences. Essentially, um, consumers have today the, the biggest choice they ever had when it comes to buying products and services. And they're always looking for the most convenient experience. They want that experience to be as fluid and as frictionless as possible. There's an interesting number you know, that, that came out last year. In March alone in 2020, 80% of the baskets worldwide were abandoned. You know? And that really is a huge missed opportunity. And actually, in my experience, a lot of business leaders underestimate how big that missed opportunity is for their business. You, know, you invest a lot of effort in, in creating an amazing product and, and bringing people to discover that product. The momentum in which they are engaging into the purchasing experience can be quite short. And so you want uh, your consumers to be able to go through that process as quickly as possible. 
So, you know, as a business, your goal is to be able to be as consistent and as frictionless as possible from the beginning to the end. And mobile payment is one of the elements that will enable that kind of um, frictionless experience. Just go back to that. So more than 80% of shopping carts in e-commerce platforms have been filled during a, a customer journey. So they've arrived on the site, they've selected the products they want, they've clicked buy, but then when it comes to actually the checkout bit, they're just leaving the site and not completing the purchase. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what happened in March 2020. And that's an observation we have across the board, right? So the rationals behind that might not always be related to, to frictions, but friction it plays a big part to that. And actually, this is at the core of our thinking as an organization when it comes to creating or facilitating how businesses are able to operate on our platforms, right? We want to try and make that experience as smooth and as frictionless as possible. And if you look at the businesses that are leading, you know, in the digital space, um, they often make this a number, part of the top priorities to ensure that their consumers, as they are, you know, shopping on their websites, are able to go from the decision of purchasing to actual purchasing in as little clicks as possible. And, and, and I think as a business owner, it's essential to make sure you consistently pay attention to that experience um, because it will considerably increase <laughs> that ability to convert these people that actually are you know, showing an interest for your value proposition. I wonder how much of that is to do, I'm, I'm speculating here completely, and this might be a little bit of an unfair um, theory to push at you, but how much of that is to do with trust? So for instance, if maybe you've in March 2020, people were engaging with e-commerce in numbers that they hadn't been before simply because of the situation, the global situation in terms of lockdowns and people were at home and people were you know, uh, being driven to e-commerce platforms as a way of accessing the goods and services that they need and would otherwise get in person. But there's a trust factor. Well, I've, I've, I've never bought from this company before. I don't quite know whether I'm going to trust them with my credit card details. I don't know whether I'm going to trust the fact that it's going to arrive in, in the 24-hour time frame. So I'm going to abandon that shopping cart and see if I can find the same product on a website I do trust. You know, I'll throw a name out there, Amazon, for instance. Do you reckon that might be part of the process we're here now? And, and that for e-commerce players, it's um, getting over that first hurdle of actually facilitating the order in the way that you have actually described it and that the way the customer expects. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Trust is at the core of how people behave when it goes to, when it comes to their online purchasing. And, and actually having the right mobile payment solution often facilitates that ability to build trust. And actually, you know, as an organization, we um, prioritize, uh, we encourage um, organizations to be as transparent as possible throughout the consumer journey, you know, specifically when it comes to return policies, cancellations, and the world payment solutions. Because we know um, that the more the businesses are transparent and offering that experience of, of clarity, the more they're going to be able to build and establish that trust that will, you know, turn into a relationship with their clients. And that goes exactly back to what you said before, is like once you've made a purchase and it's been fulfilled and you are happy with it and they've got all of your details, you're much more likely to go back to that same retailer and go click because it's all just a one-click purchase of anything you want in the future. Exactly, exactly. And by the way, this also applies to conversational businesses, right? When you are engaging in a conversation with a business on WhatsApp or on Messenger, 
you know, one of the first thing to do is to um, manage expectations, right? So what is the service you're going to be able to offer? Um, I'll create a menu rather than having a blank space. So people have an idea of what they're going to be expect, when they're going to get an answer, and that, that contributes to establishing that trust. Uh, Rana, I want to come back to something that, that you mentioned before um, earlier on in the conversation, which was talking about augmented reality. That was certainly one of the the stats that that leapt out at me was how many Saudis were interested in augmented reality and believed that there was a, a role for it in elevating um, their retail experiences and general brand interaction experiences. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what do you think that says about the Saudi consumer? Absolutely. I mean, based on the research, nine out of 10 in Saudi said that they're actually open to brand-led AR features. And even if they haven't used it, they're willing to actually um, engage and have an immersing experience. So one of the things that we did actually at Facebook, most recently we hosted the MENA House of Instagram virtual um, event, and we wanted to create a fun and engaging experience before and during the event. So what we did, we actually created a VIP pass that you, through the AR filter, that you can actually change the color of the pass. And when you do that, your hair color changes. So you can show up with a purple, with a green. And within 24 hours, we had 613 captures and we reached 32,000 impressions. And to some extent, this is free of cost, right? So brands have definitely an opportunity to see how to figure out how can they reimagine the engagement how can they leverage tools such as AR and filters and engage with their audience, create a personalized experience and make it an immersive experience? And augmented reality definitely offers these features. Joachim, if I can come to you on that, do you think that we've actually found um, a lasting use case for AR yet in retail? And, and where do you think that might be? We've seen a couple of use cases that are surfacing out of AR, and I think we are at the, you know, at the beginning of what's going to come over the next uh, couple of years. Th there's one example that comes to mind um, that really spoke to my heart last year uh, when it comes to AR, and, and I can give a couple more after. But th that one was was fairly was fairly meaningful to me. You know, I, it was at the beginning of the COVID nineteen crisis, and and the Abu Dhabi Islamic Bank. Uh, knew that we were going to be facing, you know, a very special Ramadan and probably a Ramadan like we never had to, to, to face before, right? And so they really wanted to give back to the community um, during that, that difficult times. And also, of course, they had business objectives, right? They wanted to connect with a, a younger audiences. They, they wanted to, to uh, drive app installs for their current client base. And so they came up with this really cool uh, idea, which is this wheel of fortune that uh, people could spin above their head just by opening their mouths. And, and uh, you know, whatever landed above their head was the price that they won. And, and, and the results were phenomenal. You know, uh, there were 40,000 app installs. 66% of the people that installed the app were not current clients of, of ADIB. And, and, and actually, the ad recall uh, for, for, for that specific experience was above and beyond anything they've seen before for any other ad format. And, and I think that really shows the opportunity that AR creates for businesses to create an engagement, an interactive engagement with their consumers that is, you know, much more connecting than a traditional uh, ad such as a, a video or, 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 uh, or an image. Now, there are also other uses cases that, that came out recently, like, uh, you know, in a COVID-19 world where trying sunglasses in a shop 
is something you kind of want to avoid just because it's a bit risky, right? We've seen brands like Michael Kaur recently in Vietnam Affair offer the opportunity for people to try sunglasses virtual and, and get that sense of how it will look on them, right? And, and that shows how you're able to kind of reproduce the, the retail experience, the in-shop experience through AR. Now, if you think beyond, you know, the spectrum of commerce, I think AR is offering opportunities for, for people to connect with their passion more meaningfully, art, craft, right? But also uh, redefines productivity. And I don't know if you ever tried the, the Quest 2 uh, virtual office uh, experiences. It's, it's amazing how you can use with your finger, um, you know, um, your hands to kind of reorganize documents and, and collaborate in, the, in a way that was in, in, unimaginable before. See in real size, sample product and, and look at it from every angle. We also see a new space uh, emerge from AR and VR, which is how to ignite empathy. You know, and, and that's something very close to our heart. Um, you know, you can you can project yourself in, in in a refugee camp in a way you couldn't do before, and create that connection with what that experience might be. And 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 I think this, if we tie it back to how entrepreneurs and business leaders are, are thinking about AR and VR, is this notion of emotional connection that becomes a lot more fluid once you are uh, creating these immersive experiences. Um, I think, Rana, that reflects a lot of the findings in the survey as well, is that uh, people wanted deeper and stronger relationships with the brands that, um, you know, whose products or services they buy. Uh, what, do you, what is the reason for that, you think? Is this a trend that's accelerating, that people don't simply want the product, they actually want to extend the relationship with the brands? They want, they want um, to have a, a much more of a long-term relationship and actually have the brand to stand for something a little bit more than the product or service that they buy from them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, especially with the search of online communities, or we could refer to them as digital gatherings. So there is an expectation from brands of how are you giving back to the communities, especially the online virtual uh, communities that are created and the search that happened because of the COVID-19. So, and these communities, to some extent, they have themes, right? So if you want to tap into community of, I don't know, I'm passionate about um, recipes and cooking, right? So why not tap into that? Or if you're a community where you're taking care, you want to learn new experiences and people are actually sharing, for example, hey, you want to learn about social media, I would recommend that you actually take this course and whatnot. So then brands have a huge opportunity to connect at a deeper level with these online communities to tap into it, to gain insights of what are the consumers thinking and what they're uh, passionate about. And you'll be amazed how much you can learn just by tapping into these online communities and making sure you're authentic, right? Because these online communities at the end of the day, the last thing they wanna hear is you're trying to push your sales <laughs> into them. It's really to act more as an observer, engage with them, this is what they're expecting from deep in the relationships. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the things that whenever we sort of talk about social media strategy to, to brands and corporations is remember the word social. People are there to interact and engage with each other. They don't want, you know, a pizza brand suddenly, you know, inserting themselves into their conversation saying, buy me, buy me, buy me. You've, this is a platform in which people are engaging and conversing about their passions. You know, it's not a, a ready-made sales opportunity. You've got to handle that conversation incredibly as you say you know with a, with a degree of authenticity and degree of credibility yeah and absolutely i mean joe earlier talked about trust and how important it is to build trust 
respect is equally important. Respect your audience space and make sure the channel that they're using is the right channel. So the online community is more about connecting, giving back, and it's not a sales pitch. So otherwise you lose the authenticity of your brand. I was going to say, Joachim, um, that's a very, very good tip or bit of insight for any um, startups that are entering into the marketing world using Facebook and using social media. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about how they can interact with the Facebook platform to maybe adopt some of those lessons, but also reach a, an engaged audience for their product? Now, of course, of course. And this is a very important topic, right? Uh, the survey that we ran showed that eight out of 10 um, people in Saudi Arabia, um, when uh, when uh, having the choice between, when given the choice between um, two similar products or services, will rather choose a local product or services. And, and I think that trend was um, was incrementally uh, boosted by what happened over the past year, right? As, as, as COVID-19 made the life of, of entrepreneurs and small businesses considerably harder. And, and, and I think that, you know, small businesses are at the heart of our economies. And actually, the Saudi 2030 vision has that ambition to see um, SME's contribution to the GDP rise from 20 to 35 percent, uh, really, really underlines the importance that we're giving to, to SMEs. So our role as Facebook, as an organization, is to try and make the life of these multifaceted entrepreneurs and business owners that, you know, if you ever met them, and I'm sure you did, uh, you know, are, are trying to be experts in everything, right? Uh, they have to learn and to master the craft of every aspect of their business. And, and digital can't be a barrier to their growth. It has to be an enabler of their growth, right? And so that's how we're thinking about it. We're trying to make their life as easy as possible so that they can, with the, a simple mobile phone, bring to life their product, their services, and connect with their community on our platforms in, in a meaningful way. And, and, and I think ultimately, um, you don't need to be a programmer anymore to connect today with your consumers online and, and actually acquire new customers, broaden you know, your, your, your target audience, um, get feedbacks on, on how to improve your product and services, and, and engage even in you know, advanced kind of customer services uh, in a much more human and kind of digital way than you would have done in the past. And, and that's, that's at the core of how we enable uh, small businesses. And actually, Mark Zuckerberg just announced that you know, we're uh, bringing uh, new solutions to WhatsApp so that small business owners can have these shops uh, on WhatsApp and on, on the marketplace. And, and, I, and I think this really illustrates our uh, effort to kind of uh, streamline the digitalization process of, of SMBs. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really interesting uh, what you said, Joachim, about local customers wanting to support local companies. We found that over and over again uh, in the UAE marketplace, particularly when it comes to things like F&B concepts, people are really, really keen to support homegrown businesses. Obviously, the one thing about Facebook is its scale. So how does Facebook enable new companies, new startups, new concepts, reach an audience, reach that audience that would want to support them if they know about them? So yeah, absolutely. Actually, one in two consumers told us in the survey in you know in Saudi Arabia that they use Facebook as a place to discover new products, services, and, and, and promotions. And, and I think the word discover here is the key word, right? As a business owner, is how do you 
you leverage Facebook, the blue app, as a mean to bring your product in front of the people that are likely to be interested by that product. And, and a lot of our solutions are, are really aiming at making that process as easy, as fluid as possible, having the right audience in front of the right product at the right time. And, and that's really the core of what we offer. And, and I think as an entrepreneur uh, or a business owner, Facebook also offers the opportunity to go beyond your local community and, and expand uh, outside of you know, the people you're usually typically able to reach and maybe even bring your product or services to people uh, outside the country to new, uh, new audiences that's, that will connect with what you're trying to achieve or build here. Uh, Rana, does that tally with your experience as well, that, that Facebook's ability not just to target local consumers, but to take brands beyond borders is a key part of what Facebook offers entrepreneurs and startups? Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen lots of success stories in order to scale, right? So if you want to think of the scalability piece, this is where Facebook can become an enabler. And just to add to that on the local and go global, right? So if you think of KSA market that's really going through transformation, there is definitely an element of proud, proud to be from Saudi. Saudi has a huge heritage. So we just want to make sure that as brands as well, we are safeguarding the heritage piece, but by the same token, enable them to go across the border, if you will. We're bringing Saudi to the globe. Uh, and that's a key theme, an emerging theme that we're... Uh, recognizing and um, supporting the local brands, but by the same token, giving them the scalability to go global. I mean, I think this conversation has had an awful lot of important takeaways for marketers and people in the region looking to target um, the Saudi consumer. Um, Rana, if I could come to you and just to sort of conclude the overarching themes of, of the piece of research that was conducted, what would you say are the kind of the main key trends that anybody in this space really needs to know about and really needs to internalize if they're going to make a success of targeting the Saudi consumer going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So three things to consider, right? First is how can you elevate the customer experience? And by elevating the customer experience, what we mean is how can you create a frictionless experience and tap into the convenience of saving time? So key things to consider is look at the path to purchase. How long does it take a customer from first interest into actually back to Joachim's point to actually click the last click to purchase a product? Think of the service. Do they call the call center and go through loops? What is the duration to actually give a service delivery? So put the customer at the center of what you do and think customer first and not product first. Another thing is definitely experiment with new technology. Your audience is already there. Encouraging the augmented reality, live shopping, interactive uh, polls and stories. So make sure you're actually at the same level where your consumers are and experiment with the new technology. But don't do it for the sake of technology's sake. Think about technology of how it can create an immersive experience in order to elevate the engagement. And last but not least, think of the online communities. Traditionally, the communities were physical. We don't believe it's going away. People want to see each other, hopefully soon. Uh, but do not underestimate the digital gatherings and how much insight you can learn by tapping into the digital gathering and be respectful of digital gathering. Leverage them more for insights and learning in order to better understand your audience. Rana, Joachim, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot and hopefully it's going to provide lots of useful insights for people out there looking to target 
the Saudi consumer. This has been an Arabian Business Podcast. My name is Eddie Taylor. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.